Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast and it's episode 83 coming at you. So last week I chatted with you about the, you know, the the juncture where self-esteem and self-confidence come together. And today we're going to talk about self-compassion and how it's the secret to a happy relationship. So stay tuned if you want to learn the three components of self-compassion. Who knew there was three? I didn't. Why it's so important to your love life and really all of your relationships. Why some people think it's even more important than working on your self-esteem and a top tip to become more self-compassionate in just minutes a day. This is a research-based tip, it's excellent. So that's it, stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Hello, hello, hello. Woo! I am your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf, and you are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast in case you, you know, had a blackout or passed out or something in between my intro and now. Uh, so the, you're here. If you want to hear about how self-compassion is the secret to a happy relationship. And of course, in the title, I said, is it? Well, I'm here to tell you it is, or it's one of the many, but one of a key, I would think. And I learned so much, you know, guys, when I'm 
uh, so you all write in, you ask about things, or I'm just reading something and it's freaking me out like how amazing it is and I decide to do a topic on it. Either way, what happens is I then go research. I, you know, look up more studies and the research and what do people say about it and all that good stuff. I do quite a bit of work, actually. Hopefully you can tell on your end so that I can bring something together that really feels um you know, solid, that feels not just like a fly-by-night idea where you have real actionable tools you can take away from the podcast, all that, right? So that's what I'm all about. And I didn't really know much about self-compassion. I had been uh, suggesting this to my clients for many years now, and I knew some. I mean, I did not know anything, but uh, and I'd uh, read most of a, a book about it many years ago that came out very famously on self-compassion in 2000, I think 11. It's a long time ago. Anyway, and so uh, it's it's just been, I don't know, I feel like I've really raised my game and that feels really good. And I'm about to raise your game too. So, so we're going to... F- Really, what we're doing is we're really furthering that conversation that we had last week. And it's okay if you didn't listen in on the self-esteem and self-confidence yet that we talked about last week. Uh, you can, this is stands on its own. You don't have to have known that. But if you did listen to it, it's, it, you know, you're really going to go deeper now in another level. So, and I'm going to be basing really so much of what I'm saying on the work of Kristen Neff because she's the queen of self-compassion. She, I think she calls herself like a self-compassion evangelist or something. Um, and if you don't know about her stuff, you need to. I'm going to link to her website. It's selfcompassion.org. It's pretty easy to get to. Um, and her research is impeccable. It's compelling. And she's just a real badass when it comes to this. And I want to say, you know, she was the first person to operationally define this term, self-compassion, so we can measure it and study it. And so she's been measuring it and studying it and been a part of that for many years now. And I, again, I think her book came out in t- like around 2011. So it's it's been at least a decade that this has been... Um, thought about in a new way, but it's been only a decade when you think about it, that we've really been studying it like that. Now, self-compassion originally came out of, it's a Buddhist uh, construct. It's 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 drawn from Buddhist psychology. And uh, Neff says that too, now that I think about it. She talks about that because she uh, found Buddhism herself, I think right after college or during college or something. Um, and so it's, it, it's so important. And, and well, in some of her more recent work, she's been talking about how self-compassion is even more important than self-esteem. And I, I do want to talk about that today. Uh, and she, because she says that if you work on your self-compassion, it's naturally going to flow that you're going to build your confidence and your self-esteem. So since I always like to give multiple tools to create, you know, ha- this happy, connected life I want you to have, uh, there's no way I could leave self-compassion out. I couldn't just stop at self-esteem and confidence right? Couldn't do it. So she, now let me just say, so what is it? What is, what are we talking about when we talk about self-compassion? She says, I'm going to quote that, quote her, because, you know, uh, I want to give her full credit here. She says that self-compassion is about relating to ourselves kindly as we are, flaws and all. So that's pretty simple, right? So warts and all, who you are, everything, you're just relating to yourself in a kind way. And that is right out of like, Buddhist scripture, you know, that that's that's right out of the good books there. Um, so when we're 
when you're if when you're self compassionate, you're able to see what's important is that you're able to see the difference between if you make a bad decision. So here I am making a bad decision and being a bad person. So you're able to 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 almost have like a meta view, right? That oh, that was a bad decision I made, but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. And you understand more, most importantly, I guess, that your worth is unconditional. It doesn't. It's not conditional on a situation, how what a thought you've had, something you said, something you did. It's not conditional. It is just in its own little bubble. And uh, and I'll talk more about this as we go on. So she, so Neff talks about. Uh, three core components when it comes to self-compassion. And uh, they're, it, it's great. So the the three of them are, the first one, and they're in no particular order, but first one I'm going to tell you about. Uh, number one I'm going to tell you about is self-kindness. So, you know, the idea here is that we all treat ourselves as we would our best friend. That's the self-kindness, I would say, in a nutshell. You know, that there's understanding, there's compassion, there's patience, there's empathy, there's gentleness, and there's none of the critical, harsh, judgmental, nasty voice, right? So that's the that's the self-kindness. The second component is, she calls it recognizing our common humanity. And basically here, this is all about feeling connected with others instead of feeling isolated. Because when you think about when you're having that harsh judge in your head, it's you're thinking things like, oh, if people only knew what I really think, they'd hate me. You start to feel so isolated and alone. Or I'm the only one, I'm such an idiot. I'm the only one who can't seem to get this. Or I'm the only one who whatever. And it's so isolating. And in this this idea, this this component, this core of self compassion, we realize that we all have struggles. You're, I'm not so different. You're not so different. We all have struggles. It's so it's not the focus isn't oh how different am I than other people. It's how am I the same as other people, I, and this idea that our struggles connect us to other people. They don't not they don't distance us. They connect us, and I, I actually love that of course because you know how. I get kind of airy fairy. I love that crap. Uh, so, and third is mindfulness. And you know, I love mindfulness, people. It's my jam. So, with mindfulness, the idea here, though, is that you don't ignore your pain, you don't ignore it. Uh, but you also, whatever, or the struggle or the, you know, whatever is coming up, but you also don't exaggerate it. So, you're just in the moment with it, with, with what's real, right there with what's real. And that's, that's truly what mindfulness is all about. It's not getting, uh, making something bigger or smaller than what it is. It's just being with what is. So those three, and according to Neff, you have got to have all three to be truly self-compassionate. Like you're really looking at, at all of them. So now she takes all the self-compassion stuff to the next level for sure, because Again, she believes that focusing on self-compassion is more important than focusing on self-esteem and that it's actually the key to feeling good in your life and your relationships. And let me just take a brief break to talk about why self-compassion is important for your relationships. Now, it's probably not a shock to you that people lacking in self-compassion often have, you guessed it, unhealthy relationships. If, if Think about it. How you treat yourself is no doubt to me highly correlated to how you let other people treat you. 
And there's no way that you're in your head thinking you're the best person ever, that you deserve wonderness, wonderfulness and goodness in your world, and you are worthy of respect and all that good stuff. And then you allow someone to treat you like doo-doo. I don't, that's not happening. Uh, th- that doesn't go together. So you really, if you're judgmental in your head, think of that. If you're so judgmental in your head to a really high degree, you likely allow your partner to be judgmental of you to a high degree. It, it's It's likely coincides in ways you might not even think because maybe you guys do it differently. How you judge is separate, is uh, different, but I would bet, I bet it's very similar. And if you never give yourself the benefit of the doubt, what are the odds that you give your partner the benefit of the doubt? Probably not high. So you can see how these really go together. And so controlling an abusive behavior, so those kinds of behaviors, diminish in relationships where self-compassion is central. And in general, self-compassionate partners show more supportive and positive relationship attributes than those who aren't. So that's, in a matter of fact, in studies, it's this self-compassion is a stronger predictor of having a good, you know, what they call positive relationship behavior, you know, good stuff in the relationship, then it's, it, it predicts it stronger than self-esteem or attachment style, which is huge. So in other words, having self-compassion in your relationship is almost more important than anything, <laughs> than any of these other things. Uh, I know, huge. Uh, and I'll link to the research in the show notes. So if you want to see that, come on over to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast episode 83, and you can check out the research for yourself. It's compelling. Uh, that Again, that's what I, lo- I really love about Neff is she, you know, she's researching this. It's not just, oh, I think this is a good idea and it's all airy-fairy BS. It's actually based in science. So, you know, I'm always down with that. Okay. But why the self-compassion over self-esteem, like really? And I do have a bone to pick with Neff, not you personally, Kristen, you seem fabulous, but you know what I mean. With kind of, I, I think it's more with our um, semantics, with how we're defining things. So I'll talk about that. But so, but I, I want to outline her argument because I think in the end it's crucial to focus on self compassion. I do. I she won me over. This woman has won me over. So, I, <laughs> but I have a little disagreement with her premise. At, but we get to the same outcome. So I. <laughs> So now, that's a cliffhanger for you. So let me let me talk about it. So she defines self-esteem as this global evaluation of self-worth. She says it's a judgment. Am I a good person or a bad person? That's how she sees self-esteem. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast yet, podcast yet, right, which I mentioned where I talk about this and I don't know why not, it was awesome. Um, but I define self-esteem differently and that's where our little um, difference comes. I defined it, so healthy self-esteem to me is having a good opinion of yourself. It means it means you don't exaggerate your good qualities and you don't exaggerate your bad qualities. That again, there's that mindful level where you see yourself for what is. You, you're really able to see your strengths and limitations in a healthy, not skewed light. And that you appreciate who you are in the world. Again, kind of warts and all. I'm very, we're very similar in that way. But her her definition takes us down a different road. So she goes on to say that to have high self-esteem, you have to think of yourself as above average. Okay, so to have high self-esteem, you have to think of yourself as above average. And this puts you immediately, as you might imagine, if you have to be above average, then I'm in competition with all you average people, right? <laughs> so if I think I'm, I have higher self-esteem. So 
because that's who you're comparing yourself to, the the average folks in the world. So, and we all can't be above average at the same time, right? <laughs> Just mathematically, it doesn't work. You can't Everyone can't be above average. So that means that if I'm up, you're down. And she, so she doesn't like this. I don't like it either. If you're going to be above average, then we all can't do it together, right? We can't all be there together. So, and Neff says, uh, and I might be quoting her directly. I just, or, or close, sorry, Kristen. Uh, you're going to find ways to puff yourself up and put other people down. Like that's, she says that in some way, um, but you get the idea. So the, so the problem isn't whether you have high self-esteem, but how you get it, right? How you get that self-esteem. And that's the issue. And that leads often to really bad behaviors, right? And and how you get it. And she goes on to talk about how, so, and this is all true. I just, again, I'm not sure that I think it's all related the way she says, but researchers, so researchers have, sorry, research, I get so excited. (laughs) Researchers, they've been, have been tracking narcissism. Uh, they actually track the narcissism levels of college undergrads, and they've been doing that for like 25 years. And right now, they're at their highest levels ever. And in fact, there's an what she calls an epidemic of narcissism in the United States, and other researchers have too. So, and many psychologists think this is due to the whole self-esteem movement in schools uh, over the last, you know, 15 years. And that's the whole, you know, everybody gets a ribbon, you know, don't use red pencils to mark the grades. They might get, little kids might get upset. Um, everyone gets a trophy. That That's that idea. And sort of inflating that, you know, there's all the mommy and me classes and kids are asked their opinion about things and they have lots to say and they're included in decision-making and all this stuff, which none of which I agree with, just to be clear. And because it gives that it does give them an inflated sense of self, and in, and they don't have the hardwiring to deal with that. I have to tell you. So I hear parents all the time while well, I'm teaching them how to think, and it's really good. That's all great to a degree, but they actually don't have the hardwiring to to be taught to th- think like an adult when they're nine. They don't have it. Sorry, guys. I don't care how smart your kid is, how mature they seem, how sophisticated they seem. They're not. So that's what really gets in the way. Is uh, and where the narcissism, I think, sort of takes off because they get the sort of inflated sense of self and their importance in the world. Uh, and the other nasty turn all of this can take, obviously, is bullying. When you have to feel better than someone else, bullying, right? Kind of a natural thing to show up. So uh, NF's other issue with self-esteem is that it's contingent on your success. When, we, you know, if you fail, you feel lousy and your self-esteem goes down the tubes. And again, I don't, believe that. I I want to put out there that I don't agree with that because I don't think she's talking about healthy self-esteem. I think she's I think healthy self-esteem again is where you know your limitations, you understand your strengths and and weaknesses and you see them in a real light. You don't you're they're not all skewed and puffed up or put down. So you don't feel the need to compare yourself to others all the time um and to get into that. So uh and I can only say that just from my own life. Like I try to really work on my self-esteem. I think, I don't think it's like the best, but I've really worked on it over the years. And I feel, again, with my confidence level, and I, I definitely feel better about myself. And the I hate competition. I did a whole friggin' TED Talk on it. I do not want to compete with anybody. So I don't, I take myself out of that and I teach that all the time. And 
uh, I don't like the idea of, yeah, comparing myself to others. And if I fail or do crappy at something, yeah, I, I feel bad. There's no two ways about it for a moment. But again, the, all those pieces are right there. I mean, we all feel, even if you're self-compassionate, you feel bad for a moment, you know, and then you sort of bounce back. You have this resiliency. So again, I, I don't, I think it's our wording around it, but I think these are all valid points. I do. And so that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> and again, I will, um, I'll link to things in the in the notes, uh, all the research and all that. So, but I kind of, I think she's talking more about brittle self-esteem and so it's not healthy and it's, and it's not what I'm talking about so much. So, uh, okay. So let's, but let's move on, but you get the point, right? It all makes a lot of sense what she's talking about here and I get it. And I do think the narcissism and the bullying and all that has gotten a uh, pretty epidemic. Um, so I think that her self-compassion, that the self-compassion, I keep calling it hers because I have to tell you, not many other people study it. If you right now go look up self-compassion on the internet on Google, you'd have to go pages and pages in to find something that's not by Kristen Neff, okay? This woman has like owned the space. And again, I think it's a well-deserved owned uh, owning. So I'm going to have to invite her on the podcast, aren't I? I'm just, I'm thinking that as I'm going here. I, I need I need to know more. I need to have this conversation with her live. So uh, we'll I'll invite her on the podcast get her on here eventually that I'll, I will do that. Um, I'll, I'll just, you know, she's a, she's, she's big stuff, but, but I can poke at her enough to get her on here. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I, and again, I, I, I like all this, but, um, I, I think it's a great tool to have overall, right? This, the idea of self-compassion and, and again, she's, we, it's a, I think it's a key. It takes a, it's a, it has a key place in a happy life. And it's a great thing to focus on versus self-esteem because I think higher self-esteem is a predictable outcome from greater self-compassion. So I do think that they just go together. Um, I really do. I also believe it's a great tool to stop all the negative self-talk, all the harsh self-criticism and, you know, our impatience with who we are as individuals, you know, again, which of course would raise our self-esteem since we stop yelling at ourselves. So, there you go. So, I, so I'm on board, girl. You know, come on the podcast. I'm on board. So it's funny if you, if you heard, think about this. So if you heard. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That a parent spoke to a child so harshly, you wouldn't, you know, just in this really harsh voice, was just berating their kid all the time. You would not be surprised to learn that that kid had poor self-esteem, right? And poor and bad, no feelings of self-efficacy. Again, self-efficacy is that idea that we can do things, that we can overcome, that we can make make shit happen. So uh, that wouldn't surprise you, right? You saw some parent yelling at the kid. Maybe you're a teacher at a school and you see this parent dropping off their kid every day and they're yelling, he or she is yelling at them and telling them the crap and what's wrong with you and, you know, just berating them or belittling them. And that kid ended up with poor self-esteem and didn't want to try hard for things. I don't think you'd be shocked. You'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, <laughs> that's what you're doing. You speak to yourself in a super harsh voice is my guess a lot of the time and but you expect different results you expect yourself uh i don't know to motivate yourself that doesn't motivate anybody that kind of stuff does not motivate people not true motivation it might get you off your ass for a minute but it won't keep you off your ass and because it doesn't uh bolster feelings that you can actually do stuff that you can get things done that you can overcome you can persevere it doesn't say that at all how can you persevere when you're a piece of crap Come on, you're not gonna be able to do it. You know, oh, you got through this once, you won't be able to do it again. You know, eventually all that language really it wears us down. It's so it's mean. Stop it. So so people aren't motivated by mean words. Again, just the opposite. We're motivated when we feel like we can do something, that we have agency in the world. We we take risks when we're not afraid of being mocked or punished. And we all know that to improve at anything, you have to take some risks. You have to try something different. So I, I'm down with changing that voice. And Neff says that self-compassion, it's not a way of judging ourselves positively. It's a way of relating to ourselves kindly. I loved this. I want to make a bumper sticker out of this. I thought it was so good. <laughs> so self-compassion isn't a way of judging ourselves positively because you're not judging, right? That's the whole thing you're taking out. It's a way of relating to yourself in a kind way. It's brilliant. Love it. So, Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, what the research shows. And according to the research, self-compassion offers the same advantages uh, as high self-esteem, but without the downsides, right? Without having all the downsides. So, and again, I, I don't want to make the whole show about the research. So again, I'll link to things in the show notes if you really want to go digging. But basically over the last decade or so, so a little bit more than a decade, maybe 12, 13 years, Research has consistently, pretty consistently shown a positive correlation between self-compassion and just what we call psychological well-being, overall psychological well-being. So people who have, who uh, show higher levels of self-compassion on, uh, you know, who are, <laughs> who are measured for that, sorry, um, people have more self-compassion, they have uh, greater social connectedness a higher emotional intelligence, more happiness, overall life satisfaction is higher. And it's also been shown really importantly to correlate with less anxiety, less depression, le <clears throat> depression. Am I having trouble speaking today? What's the deal? Okay. Less depression, less shame and fear of failure. So all those things diminish um, when you're practicing self-compassion. So 
come on. And like the anxiety to me, you know, having significantly less anxiety, which is also linked to high self-esteem for the record, uh, less anxiety and less depression. Uh, it's just so good. And having all the good things and the overall satisfaction with life, it's kind of hard not to get on the self-compassion wagon, right? Come on. So Neff also talks about the biology of self-criticism and self-compassion and how different they are. And it makes sense. And I wanted to just touch on this before I get into my top tip to build self-compassion. It's not my tip. It's her tip. Um, <laughs> it's a tip I'm sharing that I like, that I've been practicing myself. I always try to practice out all my tools before I ever uh, offer, not try. I always do practice tools before I give them to you. Um because I want to make sure they work. I try them with clients. I try them myself. And uh, I give you the best of the best. So so she talks about how when, and this is true, we know this. So when we, when, when you criticize yourself, when you're in your head beating on yourself, you what you do is you end up tapping into your brains, really your bodies, that the fight, flight, or freeze, right? That reptilian brain I've talked about a million times, your limbic system, your this is your amygdala, that fight, flight, or freeze uh, portion of your brain, right? Talked about it a lot. I will link to the show notes to how your lizard brain keeps you stuck if you want to go listen to that, if you haven't listened to it yet. Again, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I just want to say this out loud. So, and when we're reacting to anything that we perceive as a danger, uh, this system gets triggered even just to perceive a danger. Just just so if we saw a big lion walking towards us across the savanna or wherever, we would perceive a danger, right? We'd see it and all the it's not like when the it's only when the lion gets really close that you suddenly kick into your fight, flight, or freeze. As soon as you saw that thing, it would happen, right? So that all gets triggered very easily. And so believe it or not, self-criticism. Uh, does the same thing? Isn't that amazing? It it taps into that because it's it's a it's a threat. It's a perceived threat when we're judging ourselves harshly. We are we're saying, oh, I'm not going to be able to do things. I'm not going to be able to keep my partner. I'm going to be alone under living in a box under a bridge. I see you people who think that really come on. Um, but do you see what I mean? That's a threat to your to your safety. So of course that's that system is going to turn on. And what happens, it puts you, your mind and your body, it puts everything into a chronic stress mode. And often that's what causes anxiety and depression, or at the very least exacerbates it, makes it worse. So, and this is why, uh, you know, the habitual uh, self-flagellation, that habitual over and over harsh critic, inner critic, is so bad for not just your physical, your emotional well-being, but your physical well-being as well, because that chronic stress just breaks down the system. We're not meant to have it. And uh, uh, Neff points out, which I really liked, that this self-criticism, when you do that, when you're inner, when you're judging yourself like that and, and talking so mean to yourself, you are both the attacker and the attacked. You're you're the predator and the prey. You end up being both. I know it's really nasty when you think about it that way. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad when she pointed it out. I thought, wow, that is so true. I hadn't thought of it in those words. So, but conversely, compassion, any kind of compassion, compassion, kindness, gentleness, including the self compassion, that's linked to our mammalian care system. Yeah. So when we're compassionate. Uh, we start to feel cared for. 
right? So like, you know, you're, you're, you're in, you get to crawl on your mom's lap, you know, you get to, oh, hopefully that was a warm embrace for you, but any, you know, a warm, safe place to be. It helps what we say, like down-regulate. It helps, uh, you know, push down that fight, flight, or freeze response and that threat response. And it's, so we can then sort of turn that around, right? Uh, from think about it when you're in the threat response if you're in that fight flight or freeze you're going to uh be you're going to fight yourself what's the fighting the fighting is that you criticize yourself you're going to the flee that's running from others and isolating or freezing which is all the thinking all the rumination all the never ending round and round and round in your head so you want to get out of that but when you go to self compassion and you deactivate, for lack of a better term, you deregulate, you downregulate all that that threat response system and you activate that wonderful care system in you, then we get all the good things. We get uh, hormones and neurotransmitters like oxytocin and endorphins. They're all released and they help reduce stress. They help us bond to others, right? We think of oxytocin so much as this bonding uh, hormone, right? That helps us uh, connect to other people. We know it's famously released when mommies have babies and it's released in daddies too when that happens. Um, that we start to really bond with other, every, anytime you tickle your kid, you know, your little kid, you're just tickling, uh, or you're tickling your partner even, you, that's when this oxytocin starts getting released. It's really kind of wonderful. And all these endorphins and enkephalins come flooding in the system and their job is to relieve pain, anxiety, pain, anxiety, and stress. They're the body's kind of natural Valium. So when that all gets released, we start to see a reduction in stress, a reduction in depression, a reduction in all that anxiety. And and an increase in these feelings of safety and security. Come on, it's a win-win. So I, I did want to go there because you know I like to talk to you about the biology of things so you can really understand to me how critical it is to stop the negative self-talk and to start some positive self-talks, to start this self-compassion. And oh, let me just say, I said that wrong. It's not positive self-talk, self-compassion. Because that makes you think like, oh, I'm great. Everything's good. I'm the best. That's not what this is at all. And I'm, again, I'm going to break that down for you in just a moment. When I talk about this top tip tip to build self-compassion, um, actually, so hey, why don't we just go there? What are we waiting on? So the, uh, here's the deal. Well, first of all, let me just say that, so on Neff's website, she has this whole list of self-compassion exercises you can do. And what? What is that, Abby? Will you link to it in the show notes? Yes, I will. Thank you very much. Uh, so I will link to those in the show notes. But one of the things I've been using for a while now, because like I told you, I'm always uh, researching when I pick a topic, when I'm going to do a topic, and it, it, over a few weeks, actually. But this has been a few months with the self-compassion in and out. Um, so I love this one tool that she calls a self-compassion break. It's really good. Uh, and I love it because it also fits so well into my other stuff that I do, right? The other things that I do. So these self-compassion breaks are meant to, it's meant to remind you that you're human, that you're, that everybody makes mistakes, everybody has their struggles, and it's, and it's very human to judge ourselves around it. That's what happens. But uh, she, and she, she turns it around and she uses these 
there are three, those core concepts of self-compassion. Remember that I mentioned earlier, the self-kindness, the sense of uh, humanity, and the mindfulness. She uses those. All three come together in what she calls these self-compassion breaks. Uh, and so I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. Here you go. Ready? So you, what you do, it's a little, I broke it down into six little steps, but I don't, I don't think she does, but anyway. So the first thing you do is you think of something that you're struggling with. So right now that's causing you stress. And you can do this even if you're driving or anything else, but you know, think of it right now. Think of something you're struggling with. And so uh, for me, when I did this, you all know if you are on my newsletter, I don't know why you're not, if you're not, because you know, I chat about all things Life Abbey. <laughs> um, and I try to be really inspirational every week too, but as many of you know, I, I get worried about my wonderful teenage son, Max. I, I just, I get worried about him. He doesn't always do well in school. And I think he, ah, you know, I worry that he's going to blow his future and be really sad about it later. So I struggle and I get mad at him because I feel like he's not listening. I know, a 16-year-old boy not listening, shocking. Yes, shocking. So uh, we, you know, obviously it'd be easy to get into it with him and get really angry and try to control everything because we all know I'm a control freak. So uh, this is where I try to come. And then I feel like a bad mom and I feel like a, you know, crazy Jewish mother and somebody else would do this better and all that good stuff. So you think of something you're struggling with right now that's causing you any kind of stress, any kind of stress. So I used, in my head, this was the, the last one I was using. And as you think of it, what you want to do is see if you can feel where that discomfort or stress is in your body, okay? Where does that show up? And for me, with Max, it always shows up in my, I re, and I didn't realize this until I started doing this, it really shows up in my chest and my throat, I find myself like like, uh, like right up here, way up high in my chest and my throat. So just to notice that. And I really notice that feeling when he and I are getting into it about something. Uh, there's other things, by the way, that I've noticed. I feel it in my stomach. You know, my stomach will drop out. You know that feeling? I've noticed that. Sometimes I've noticed even tension in my shoulders, like in my upper back. It's really weird. Uh, who knew? I think I thought you always sort of held the tension in the same place. And it's kind of not true. It's really interesting. So uh, uh, you might. It wasn't true for me. Sorry. So then I kind of you kind of notice that. And then you say to yourself, okay, this is a moment of suffering or whatever feels natural to you. You have to go to what's natural to you. So she says, this is a moment of suffering. Guess what I say? I say, this sucks because <laughs> that's more natural to me. You could say, uh, this really hurts or, or, or just name it. Like, this is stress I'm feeling. What, what's happening right now in my chest is stress, um, is my discomfort is my pain, whatever. this And this is the mindful part, right? You're, you're bringing yourself to the here and now, you're bringing yourself into the moment, and you're saying what's true in that moment. So I would just notice, oh, I have this pain in my, you know, this kind of tight feeling. It's not a pain. It's just like tight feeling in my chest and throat. Take a little breath there and say, okay, this sucks. You know, this sucks that I'm caught up in this. And next you say to yourself something like, Lots of people have struggles in their lives. So what you're doing, now you're bringing up the second core, which is that common humanity component, okay? So saying something like, um, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Or lot, for what I did was um, lots of other parents have these same struggles. I'm no different. Okay, that, that's literally what I said. Uh, or it could be just, you know, if you're feeling alone, I'm not alone in my life. Uh and how I feel, or 
um, sometimes I've said things like, oh, it's, um, it's, it's impossible to never have these feelings, to never have difficulties, to never have a struggle, to never have, you know, uh, some feelings of anxiety or pain. So I might just say that. And then you put your hands over your heart <clears throat> or cup the side of your face or give yourself a hug, you know, kind of a wraparound hug or anything, uh, any kind of soothing touch that feels right to you. So you would do that while you sort of like put your hand on your heart or hugged yourself or held your upper arms or something and just say, wow, lots of people have this struggle. Lots of parents feel this way. And again, that's that humanity component. I am just like everybody else. I'm not so different. I'm not isolated. I'm connected. And then the final piece is to say to yourself, um, the self-kindness part, now we get to self-kindness. Um, and her thing is, may I be kind to myself? And I actually kind of like that. I, I fought with that one because I didn't like the may I, I don't know. But it's it's asking permission, right? Can I just be kind to myself? <laughs> may I be kind? May I be kind to myself? May I forgive myself? May I be patient? Again, whatever feels natural to you is what I ha- you have to go with. And I tried to change this at different times, but I have to say I came back to it. You know, just sort of asking myself, like, can I can I be kind now? Is that okay? Like, not can I, but may I? Can is if you can or can't, right? If you're physically able. And may is if you have permission. So I really did like the word. I know not everybody knows the difference in the words, but when you hear it, you do know. There's some level of you where you do know. So I think it's really great. And so that's it. That's the little kind of six-part way to do that. And um, it's great to take as many self-compassion breaks as you can throughout your day. And my suggestion is that you set a reminder for on your phone for three times per day for the next three days. That's what I'd like you to do. Set a reminder on your phone for the next three days for three times a day to, to do this and to see what kind of difference it makes and how you feel and where your attention goes. That's what I'd like you to do. Um, and now that I'm saying all this, I'm realizing I'll I'll create a little download for you with this little part of how I do it, you know, this little six-step process with these little six steps um, for how to have the self-compassion break. Again, she has it on her website too, but I'll have it in case you just want to quickly download it from my website or you like the way I laid it out. Hers is a little longer, I think, and you know, a little different. So if you like my words, if you like how I said it, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. You know I love you. All right. So so let me wrap up. So really self-compassion <laughs> is there. I liked it because it's there even when things go wrong, even because you're going to mess up, you're going to embarrass yourself in front of a room full of people, whatever's going to happen, and you might feel really knocked. But when that self-compassion can just be boom, right there, like I'm snapping, could be just right there. I think it really makes a difference. And I've really been practicing it hard. (laughs) I've been really practicing it hard. So that, you know, if the chips are down, if you get knocked around, it's it's there. And this this is why Neff says it trumps self-esteem, right? Because no matter what, you've got your you've got your self-compassion. But um it's what I what she also says, which I really like, is that self-compassion, because of the three parts that she has, it's about connecting instead of isolating. And that I, you know I love. Uh and she so she says it this way, rather than 
pitting ourselves against other people in an endless comparison game, we embrace what we share with others and feel more connected and whole in the process. And that's kind of beautiful. So, so in the end, you know, the more you keep your heart open to yourself, the more love you have to give to others. That's the truth of it. Ah, let's all take a loving, self-compassionate breath. So that's it for this week. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, love having you here and all the resources, all the things you can. Oh, there's a self-compassion test. How do you like that? I will link to that on the website also on my website. So again, go to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 83 and there'll be links to all the goodies, all the good things in one place. So it's easy for you to get to and access. Have an amazing week and I'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.